We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. Last week, we talked about how dangerous the tongue can be, though it's one of the smallest members of our body. And this week, we're going to continue that discussion as we read James chapter 3, verse 5 through 12. And I'm glad to record another episode with my brother, Brandon. So today, Brandon, how are you doing and what is this episode all about? Well, I'm greatly blessed, Brother Chris, and I'm overjoyed to continue our study of James and our discussion of taming the tongue. Last time, we just introduced ourselves to this idea and this subject, and we mainly talked about how dangerous the tongue can be and how difficult it is to get it under control. We're going to continue this discussion today as we uh, continue looking at James chapter 3, and we're really going to focus in this episode on how destructive the tongue can be, and all throughout, we will talk about some real life and functional ways that we can tame our tongues. Now, let's begin by picking up at the end of verse 5, reading that verse all the way down through verse 6. James says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So some very strong words, needless to say. Even stronger than what he said before about the destructiveness and damage of the tongue. So James tells us here that the tongue has great power to destroy. And he gives us three points to explain how and why. And he first illustrates the destructive power of the tongue by taking us to this familiar image of a wildfire. Mm -hmm. Now, We all know about wildfires. We are certainly familiar with the religious warning from old Smokey Bear, right? (laughs) Only you can prevent forest fires. Mm -hmm. And Smokey Bear and his fire safety campaign have been around for many years in order that people will take seriously the destructive potential of small fires and small flames. And we've seen this destructive potential for many years. Countless wildfires have even destroyed many parts of our own country at rapid rates. Uh, California is really unfortunate in this regard as they have experienced a great deal of wildfires in recent years. Mm -hmm. And you may even remember, I think it was back in 2016, that a great portion of the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee went up in flames and threatened to destroy a popular tourist area, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Yeah. I remember going there a couple years after that, and the shops were almost nearly singed. Yeah. I mean, it came very close. Oh, yeah. And, and we were found- there right before that. Uh, my, my wife and a couple other people, we had just left. And really? then that's then the fire started. I didn't start it, though. Uh, yeah, that's good so, to know. Yeah. But after they did some investigating, they found out that, you know, this fire wasn't started by heaven above, you know, God didn't send down any lightning strikes to incinerate the Smoky Mountains. 
it was caused by the primary cause of all wildfires, the carelessness of human beings, Mm -hmm. a discarded cigarette or a neglected smoldering campfire. Mm -hmm. And so in wildfires, we recognize that even the smallest flame can consume an entire forest. It can get out of control really quickly. And that's the metaphor James is using for the destructive power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. But he's not talking about the Smokies, right? He's not talking about the mountains or the dry hills of Palestine that he would have been familiar with. He's talking about lighting our own lives on fire mm-hmm. and lighting someone else's life on fire by our careless words. Right. These wildfires, they rage out of control. They destroy homes and businesses, livelihoods, and even ecosystems. And sometimes they destroy everything in a matter of minutes, very quickly. And sometimes no amount of water dropped from the sky or projected from fire trucks can put it out. Mm -hmm. And likewise, a tongue out of control is a great fire and it can destroy families. It can destroy friendships, Mm -hmm. marriages, careers, churches, really anything it touches. Yeah. And by the way, the Lord has been telling us about this destructive power of the tongue for a long time. In fact, Solomon wrote about this in Proverbs 16, verse 27, where he said this, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. And James agrees. He makes the very same point here. Now, he compares the destructive power of the tongue to a forest fire that is started by small fire. But he also says in verse 6 that the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. Getting even stronger with his language here. Right. He says the tongue in our speech is sometimes a whole world of evil. All iniquity is bound up in it. It's a universe of wickedness. A whole planet of evil. Amazingly, this Mm -hmm. small piece of flesh contains a whole world of wickedness and evil. Very strong stuff here. And then thirdly, he says at the latter part of verse 6, that the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body. Says it stains the rest of us. It's defiling. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if your clothes have ever been ruined by the ink of a pen before, uh, like mine have been very often. Uh, a lot of times I'll put an ink pen in my shirt pocket or my pants pocket and it'll go through the wash with my clothes and then ends up in the dryer. And I remember one time I had failed to take some ink pens out and it went through the whole cycle and went through the dryer and the ink spread everywhere from being heated up by the dryer drum. Oh man. And actually ruined all my clothes that were in there, all my wife's clothes, and the inside of the barrel. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time, a very long time, to get that all clean. Right. It was great damage that was caused by something small, something small as an ink pen. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the point that James is making about the damage that our tongue can cause. It right. is a small member, but it has a great ability to stain. It's like it spills It's destructive ink all over you. It'll even cause you to be unattractive to others. The the ink of of foul speech will be all over us. Right. It will stain and defile your witness and render it ineffective even. 
Right. And sometimes, unfortunately, the stains that ungodly speech lets loose, some of, sometimes those stains can never ultimately be cleansed or removed. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, James tells us here that the tongue sets on fire the entire course of life and he's even set on fire by hell. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think he couldn't get any stronger with his language, he just turned the notch up <laughs> to maximum yeah. right here. Yep. Well, what's he saying here that the tongue is set on fire by hell? Well, he's saying that when we use our speech in evil ways, we're actually lending our tongue to the devil. Right. And this makes perfect sense if you think about it, because the devil is the most guilty about using his speech for evil Mm -hmm. because he's the the chief slanderer. He's the father of lies. Correct. Jesus says he's the father of lies. He is the chief slanderer. One of the first things we see him doing, not one of the first things, the first thing we see him doing in Scripture is using his tongue to deceive. He tried to lie about the commandment of God, the prohibition that he gave regarding the tree of forbidden fruit. He said, hath God really said you may not eat of any tree in the garden? Of course, that was a twisting of what God said originally. Mm -hmm. And so Satan's been at this for a long time. He's been a chief slanderer, a twister of words, and a liar since the beginning. And James is saying that if we sin with our speech, if we uh, sin in all these ways and we do not tame our tongue, our tongue very well uh, might as well be set on fire by hell. We might as well be giving our tongue over to be used by the devil. Mm -hmm. And he's all about destruction. He's all about damaging. Uh, Jesus says he's only come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll do that if we lend our tongue over to sin. Yeah, yeah, and that's what happens when our words are stealing, killing, and destroying. We're we're really just aiding Satan and his right, right to to do that to steal, kill, and destroy. And and I like the point that you brought up about that forest fire as well and the verse that you read proverbs chapter 16 verse 27 an ungodly man diggeth up evil and in his lips there is a burning fire and i I really understood that point a lot more in scripture when i watched a spark from a fire set the woods on fire start a forest fire not too long ago not even a year ago and uh, there were some hunters near a camp that I used to manage and they had set up this bonfire and you know they'd go out there they'd be shooting and stuff all all weekend long and you'd see the smoke from their campfire going up and whatnot but they left their campsite to go home pouring water out onto the fire to to put it out but there was still some smoke and you know if there's smoke guess what else is there Fire. There's fire. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I passed their empty campsite on the way to church that evening, it was still light outside. I could still see. And and though the fire was far from the edge of the forest, I did think it was irresponsible for them to leave while there were still plumes of smoke ascending into the sky. But when I returned home hours later, it was completely dark outside. But I began to find it really hard to breathe as I passed the campsite because smoke started filling into my car. And I even looked out and I felt like 
an out of body kind of experience, or I don't, I don't even know exactly how to explain this experience, but I felt like I just fell off the edge of the earth because I Hmm. thought I was driving into the starry night because it turns out it burned up so many things right there. And it was so dark at that time that all the fire had left behind were these little glowing embers. And it felt like I was driving on the night sky. Hmm. And, And so, wow. Uh, it, it was it was it was bad, but what happened? A spark had traveled to a pile of leaves and set that pile on fire, and it built up to a point to where about ten acres of the forest was blackened by the fire traveling on the mm. ground. So it's just like this little little walk along as the fire starts burning up all the leaves on the ground. But by the time I had gotten there, it had traveled so far that the fire had built up so greatly that it was starting to burn trees down. And had I not been out there that night and passed by it, the firefighters said that that would have been a fire that they couldn't have put out, that all they could have done was try to contain it. And indeed, the tongue can have a more devastating effect than a fire in a forest. And what I like to look at too concerning this is Matthew chapter 15, verse 10 through 20, a parable that, uh, uh, that Jesus speaks here or not a parable, but, uh, but just, you know, he, he gives us a little more information on this topic. Right. And it says, he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? So see, that's not just something that happens in in this day and age. People get offended. But, But it goes on, verse 13. He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if... The blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Hmm. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And I think the deeper understanding we get about what James is talking about here comes from what Jesus just explained. The tongue expresses the contents of our heart. Mm. And... That's, that's, you know, we're talking about this stain, you know, it can stain the whole body, but you, you know, someone by their words, you know, when someone's negative by how they speak, you know, when someone's consistently and constantly angry by the way they speak, you know, when someone's a happy go lucky person by what, by the way that they speak. And so out of the contents of your heart, your tongue will express what is truly there. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it's important, I think, to examine that in our own selves, to take the mirror and and kind of look into that mirror for a little bit and think, man, you know, what's coming out of my mouth? What 
what type of person do people see when I'm speaking? What type of energy am I putting off? What type of persona? What what am I doing here when I speak? Am I representing Christ? Am I speaking peace, joy, and love into this world? Or am I really just aiding Satan? Is my, is my tongue just uh, part of the uh, fire from the pits of hell that's just going around and burning everything down and bringing right. it down. And so the tongue expresses the content of the heart. But we continue on in James chapter 3, verse 7 through 8. And he says, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. And and that's a clarification of the contents of our heart too on James part. He says the contents of our heart are evil in, in that sense there. And since it's evil, we have this great evil within our heart. We can't really tame it. It, it just, it burns through us. It burns out of us. It burns everything down around us, but the contents of our heart are evil. And that's what Paul writes about in Romans chapter three, verse 10 through 18, where he takes a bunch of these Old Testament passages and, and squishes them together to really show the depravity of mankind. But it says in verse 10 of Romans chapter 3, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. And get this, here we see a lot of what what James is talking about, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And so if the contents of our heart are evil, what will pour forth from us is evil. And we can't tame it. No matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, no matter how many self-help books or therapy sessions you go through, you cannot tame your tongue. Only God can. Right. That's the only way that we have any control, any spiritual maturity over our speech is when we involve God and submit to God. Look at what Paul writes to Titus. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So the only way you're going to purify yourself from this evil is not asking Oprah or Dr. Phil what's best for right. your life, but putting your faith in Jesus and allowing him to purify you from the inside out. And when you put your faith in Christ and when you become that new creature, when you become a part of his redeemed family, and he purifies you in this way, what's going to start coming out of you? What's what's the contents of your heart all of a sudden? Because what happens is it becomes less about you and your desires and more about God and his will. 
and I know who I was before Christ. I was an angry, upset little boy, and out of my mouth poured out anger. It was a burning, boil rage. I, I just hated everything and everyone in this world so much that I just wanted to see destruction wherever I go. And so I would say whatever I want, I would do whatever I want, and you could tell I was angry. But when I put my faith in Christ, that was one of the big things that changed about me. It's no longer did anger pour forth out of my heart and express itself through my speech, but grace, truth, peace, love, those were the things that the Holy Spirit put inside of me that poured forth. That's how he purified me. So I never, I never got control of my tongue. God did. Amen. What do you got to say about that's very that? helpful, brother Chris. I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, one, one thing James is making very clear here is that yes, the tongue can be a major problem, but it's not the ultimate problem. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate problem is what may or may not be going on on the inside. Right. You know, we're never going to get control of our tongue if we don't have control of our heart. Right. It's always yeah. gonna, it's coming. It, that's, that's the order. Mm-hmm. What we have in our heart is expressed and manifested through our speech. Right. And that way, really the tongue is always kind of like a spiritual thermometer mm-hmm. of what's going on in our heart and soul. And I appreciate you sharing as well, how it's really just impossible for us in our own strength to tame the tongue. Right. I think the language that James uses in verse 8 is really intentional, where mm-hmm. he says that no man can tame the tongue. No human being can tame the tongue. No sinner can get it ultimately under control. Mm-hmm. He's saying that we in and of ourselves cannot cultivate godly speech and bridle our tongue as we ought to. We're in a corrupted body, in helpless flesh, and as long as those realities are true, We're going to have a tongue that's given to evil. But that doesn't mean we need to give up. It doesn't mean that we should just give in to sin entirely. The point is that no man can tame the tongue, but with God, all things are possible. God can help us to cultivate godly speech. God can help us to tame the tongue, and he can enable us to use our speech in a way that glorifies him. And he's used a lot of illustrations throughout this passage to convey how difficult it is to control the tongue. The most recent one that Brother Chris expounded is about taming animals in the uh, animal world in verse Mm 7, where he says, you know, man has tamed practically every animal there is, and if there's any out there we haven't tamed, we can probably still tame them. Mm -hmm. But there's one animal we haven't been able to tame, and that's the tongue. Yeah. But... Since you did such an excellent job explaining that, I won't elaborate on it anymore, but I will take us to the end of verse 8, where James says, the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And by these explanations, he's continuing to tell us how difficult it is to tame the tongue. He says, look, this is what you're up against in trying to control it. It's a restless evil. That means it's always liable to break out. You know, the tongue, it can't sleep at night, you know, without sinning against the Lord and being used in an evil way. It's kind of like walking a raging lion with a broken leash, you know, or or carrying a a weapon with your 
finger on the trigger, it's uh, always susceptible to damage. That's the Mm -hmm. way the tongue is. And he also says it's full of deadly poison. The tongue poisons. Um, When you sin with your tongue, you inject a deadly substance into yourself and, and others as well, which leads to the destruction of spiritual life and the impairment of soul health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if yeah. you think about poison, it's pretty subtle, it, but it's also potent. Yeah, It doesn't take much to do a whole lot of damage with poison. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with what sins of the tongue are capable of. Right. They may be small things, small poisons, small vials of poison like gossip, lying, slander, flattery, and other things. But just a drop or two can kill and destroy. Yeah. Has great damaging potential. And James concludes his discussion on this by telling us about what we might call the duplicity of the tongue. He basically says that this whole thing with our tongue, where we sometimes use it for good and sometimes use it for evil, that that shouldn't be the case. We should mm-hmm. always use our tongue and our speech for good. And here's what he says about that in verses 9 through 12. He says, With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Right. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Mm -hmm. So James makes an admission here, a positive one, at the beginning of verse 9. He says, with the tongue, we do some good stuff. We bless our Lord and Father. Yeah. And this, of course, is referring to praising God and speaking well of Him. That's the highest use of our tongue, is using it as an instrument of praise. It's mm-hmm. in agreement with what many of the psalmists said they did in the book of Psalms, where they say, I bless the Lord. I'll bless the Lord with my speech. So that's a wonderful thing for us to do. And there's really perhaps no simpler expression of praise and adoration than just using our words as an expression of praise. But James says that's not the only thing we tend to do with our tongue and our speech. He says, with it also we curse people. We curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Well, what's cursing? It's the opposite of blessing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And really, if you think about it, to curse people is one of the lowest uses of our tongue. If blessing the Lord is the highest use, then cursing those made in God's image is the lowest use. Right. And what does this mean exactly? Well, it could mean many things, but just generally speaking, to curse someone in this sense means to wish evil or ruin upon them. Mm -hmm. You know, and we do that through gossip, speaking negatively of somebody, when we don't wish them any good, And it's really damaging because, as James says here, when we do that, we curse those who are made in God's image. Yeah, That's why it's so severe, because we're cursing representatives of God himself, Mm -hmm. pictures of the Lord God, people made in his likeness. And so ultimately, if we 
curse another person by sinful speech, we're actually showing contempt for God. Yeah. Because we're cursing somebody that looks like him, somebody that's made in his likeness and resemblance. Mm-hmm. And as James says, so obviously in verse 10, he says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing, just summing up the issue here. Mm-hmm. And he says later that this really shouldn't be the case. Yeah. In verse 10, he says, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. He says, this isn't right, this duplicity of the tongue, this hypocrisy of our speech. And he says, uh, he illustrates this in verses 11 through 12 with several illustrations. He takes us back to nature as he did earlier, and he takes us first to a spring in verse 11. He says, look at a spring. Does it pour forth both fresh and salt water? Obviously not. There's no mingling there in nature. This spring is going to pour forth fresh water. If you want salt water, well, take a trip to the ocean. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to find salt water. You're not going to find fresh water out there. He's saying, look, nature is consistent. You know, the spring has one function. The ocean has one function. And they produce different kinds of water in accordance with their, their nature and their chemical makeup. And he illustrates it. Again, in verse 12, he says, look at the fig tree. You're not going to pluck any olives off of a fig tree. Right. And you're not going to go to a grapevine and find something other than grapes. You're certainly not going to find figs. Mm-hmm. And he says that also about a salt pond yielding fresh water. Again, it's going to be salt water. The mm-hmm. point he's making is that nature is not duplicitous. Nature is not full of hypocrisy. Right. And our tongue, our tongue is. He's saying, man, the tongue must really be cursed if it Mm -hmm. cannot do what is true of virtually everything in nature. Wow, what a very powerful point there. Right. And so what's our hope here? Well, we need to make sure that our heart is renewed so that it can produce good and pure speech that is refreshing like cold, fresh water. We We need to address this issue at the source, at the source of the spring. Again, that goes back to what we talked about earlier in making sure that our heart is clean and pure so that our speech will be clean and pure as well. Yeah. And I think we'll talk more about that in a moment. But Brother Chris, why don't you elaborate on this a little bit more for us? Yeah, what James writes here too, it goes along with what we've been reading in chapter 2. Just take chapter 2, verse 8. For example, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. And when we take our speech to curse men with our tongue, that violates that royal law Correct. that, that we're called to follow there, to love our neighbor as yourself. And that goes along with the idea of what... James is presenting to us in the previous chapter on partiality as well. To exalt one over the other is to what? To curse the other, to lower the other, to put the other down. But here's the important point that I see and that you've elaborated so well is that Christian speech should edify those that hear it. Right, right. Everything that a Christian says should be for the glory of God 
we do a horrible job at it sometimes, but that is that is our intent. That is what we were created for. Our our tongue was not created to be deceitful, but we we went against its natural cause. Our tongue was created to to serve God, to to glorify God, and just like these natural elements that James was bringing up that you were talking about, you know, nature is set. Nature does what nature is supposed to do. You don't go outside of the natural cause and, and overall nature. But yet, for some reason, we as humans, you know, we we really break outside of the nature of things. We were created right. in the image of God, created to glorify God, created to commune with God. And why in the world would we ever get to a point to where we would abuse that part of our creation. And and so it's sad when I hear Christian brothers and sisters use their words not to lift people up, but to bring people down. And and sadly, I've been one to do that as well. I can't say it's sad that my brothers and sisters have done it. It's sad that I myself have done that in my life. And or I, I constantly have to look back over the day and think, man, did my words lift someone up today or did my words bring someone down? Mm. And, I, and it's sad how often I have to go back and look at my words and go and say, hey, I'm sorry that I said these things because I don't think this was uplifting at all. Uh, and so it's better to use your speech. It's better to use your tongue for what it was intended for. And that is to glorify God, to edify those people around you that hear whatever's coming out of your mouth. That's what Ephesians chapter four, verse 29 says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Amen. And that's that's what we need to do. That's what our speech needs to to follow, is that it builds people up and does not tear people down. That it gives God glory rather than pushes people away from God. So, Brother Brandon, do you have any remarks in closing? Sure. I thought it'd be helpful just really quickly to talk about some practical ways we can tame our tongue. We've went through this whole passage of Scripture together, and... We've talked about how taming the tongue is pretty difficult and sinning with our speech is pretty easy. And so it would be helpful to talk about some practical ways that we can cultivate godly speech. Mm -hmm. And here's just four of them. Many of these we've already elaborated on. Number one, it's really helpful to think carefully about your words before you say them. James said earlier in James chapter 1 verse 19, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Yes. James says so wisely there that we need to take the speed down on our speech a little bit. Mm-hmm. We need to be slow to speak, not quick to speak, not ready to fire something off uh, in our words. Instead, we need to be quick. We need to be swift to hear. Slow down and listen to what somebody's saying. Slow down and think about what we're about to say before we say it. Mm -hmm. A lot of sins of the tongue can be prevented when we just take a pause and think carefully about our speech. Number two, and this one we've talked about a lot, 
We need to pray for God's help and yield to his Holy Spirit. Yes. We mentioned in the last in the last episode, Paul, uh, David's prayer in Psalm 141, verse 3, where he said, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And that needs to be a daily, constant prayer for us. Uh, reali- realizing our own need and realizing our susceptibility to sinning with our tongue and also realizing God's power to help us overcome these sins. Right. And we need to be praying, God, guard my lips. You know, keep watch over the door of my lips. Stand there, Lord. Don't let anything sinful come forth. Right. Number three, and Chris elaborated on this just a moment ago, by God's grace, learn to use your speech for good instead of evil. One way to avoid falling into many of these temptations and sinning with the tongue is to use our tongue as an instrument for good. Yes. Paul wisely told us to do that in Ephesians 4.29, as Brother Chris already explained. He says, don't let any bad speech come out of your mouth. No corrupting talk. Mm-hmm. But here's what you need to let come out. That which is good for building up. That yes. which gives grace to those who hear. Whatever mm-hmm. fits the occasion. Use your tongue, use your speech for building up, for encouragement, and for giving grace. And then fourthly and finally, understand that without God's power, you can never tame your tongue. Again, James told us in James 3.8, no man can tame the tongue. But you know the good news? God can. Amen. When we rely on his power, he can use our speech to glorify his name. Yep. Yes. Well, thank you, Brother Brandon, for that. And I want to thank you all for joining us here on the Faith 168 podcast. We encourage you to go out and live this next 168 hours faithfully for Christ. Let your speech be uplifting and edify all those that you encounter. And I just want to take this time now as we come to a conclusion here to end in the best way possible, and that is by seeking the Lord in prayer. So let's go ahead and pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word and how it guides us and how it molds us and helps us to understand you better and understand what we need to do as your followers as well. So Father, I just pray that you give us each courage and strength to go forth this week and live our lives faithfully for you. Help us to realize the parts of our lives where we're not really controlling our speech, we're not really controlling our tongue and bringing glory to you and what we say, and help us to to turn that around. Help us to give more glory to you in the conversations that we have and the things that we speak out into this world. Just let everything that we say be something that leads people to draw closer to you rather than draw uh, or to to go away from you to push them away from you father and father just be with everyone that's listening to this podcast today and just pray that you give them peace joy and love to go through this week until we meet again and are able to worship you through the reading of your word and through talking about these devotions and other things of of our faith this week In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.